Hello and welcome to Music Major Meltdown. My name is Sam. My name is Blake. This week we got a lot of great stuff coming at you. We have our songs of the week featuring some interesting choices from both of us. And we have a, our first, I believe we could call it, our first official debate within the context of Music Major Meltdown. We've debated, we've debated things before, but this one we are taking distinct sides we're coming at you. Very interesting debate later in the show. But first, Blake, how you doing? Well, apparently I need to prepare for a debate. But other than that, good. Um, you prepared. Don't try to fool our audience. They're not idiots. Uh, uh, no, our, our audience is not idiots. It's more <laughs> me that is the idiot. Um, but otherwise, no, I am good. Uh, I am very sore because I've been trying to work out lately. And uh, yeah, it's hard. So yeah, I, I, in a sense, I get that. I once tried to work out, never went back. <laughs> Did it once? I'm not was going it, back. Was it like one day, like five minutes? I mean, if you, if you look far enough back in my history, you might find that I went to a summer sports prep camp. Uh, before I went into high school, spent might find you sound yeah, real you, confident. You will find that I went to a sports camp, high school or sports camp, the summer before high school for about two or three weeks. Lots of weightlifting, lots of running, lots of pushing heavy weights across the parking lot on those like sled things. You know what I'm talking Worst about? Sports really? camp ever. Yeah, I know. It was literally just like strength and conditioning camp. It was not even playing really any sports. It was awful. I hated it. Yes. It's where I discovered that I have asthma. So, <laughs> which I also do. So, fun fact. Um, but yeah, so I can feel your pain on working out, Blake. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's it, not it fun. If you go, if you go subtle and calm with it, it's all right. But I'm getting used to it. I'm getting there. Uh, how have you been? Oh, I have been just fine. You know, it's been been an interesting couple weeks. I mean, school has always been busy. I've been busy in personal life type things. It's, but it's always been good busy. You know, just doing the things I like to do. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. You know, I almost forgot. Before we go any further, we just want to make a quick apology that this podcast is coming out later than normal. We are so sorry. As you can obviously tell, we do not record this in the same room. We record it over uh, just video chat, basically. We record it like that. I, what are you talking about? Don't don't point. Like, I could reach as far over as I can over here. I'm not going to reach Blake. Um, yeah, okay. No, again, our audience is not idiots, Blake. Are not idiots. Do not get that through, Blake. Come on. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, all joking aside, we were having a lot of internet connection issues the past it's couple Super weeks. annoying. Um, so we are sorry, um, but uh, we will try to get back on track with the next video. Um, so hopefully we'll get a couple more. We got a couple more videos lined up for the rest of the season before we're going to take a little bit of break, but we're going to try to get you guys some shorter videos um, while we're in our little planning mode but we'll talk a about bit, a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast but still giving you say some. That, that sounds like it's like taking a break we're not daft punk people we're we're the oh, podcast is still going on it's a whole nother story for another time yeah we will we um, will go into that later but 
like we said, internet issues prevented us from recording. Thank you for being patient. We're back now. We're back on track. Coming at you with some more of the podcast. And it is great. Get into Sam's songs of the week. All right. My songs of the week. So as you guys have maybe felt out a little bit, seen with some of the some of the stuff I've talked about before, I have a little bit of a folky side to me. I like a little bit of folk music. Really? Uh, and no band is probably more popular in the folk realm, at least universally popular in the folk realm, than Mumford and Sons. What, what are you saying? Pop folk. Oh, pop folk, yes. It, there is lots of debate whether or not you can go consider Mumford and Sons full full folk music. Just putting it up. Folk is probably the safer version. There's enough folkiness there that I would call them folk, but that is not the debate we're getting into today. Uh, so a very pop folk group, Mumford and Sons, big, big fan of them. And now I could go into lots of songs like The Cave is an amazing song. I love it. Um, lots of other stuff their new album delta that whole thing just start to finish is an amazing journey i love it but i'm not going to go there today because i know that any mumford and sons fans out there have probably heard too much stuff about that and even people who are not big fans of mumford and sons know probably too much about those types of songs so i'm going a little bit more Not fully obscure, obscure, but going into their less, perhaps one of their more unknown pieces or unknown short albums, EPs, which is their album Johannesburg, which features a lot of guest artists. Most specifically, the three that are featured heavily in it are Baba Mal, The Very Best, and Beatenberg. Now, the two songs I chose for this off of the album are There Will Be Time, and Ungamila. Ungamila. That's N-G-A-M-I-L-A, in case you're looking it up. That is a really, really, really tough word to say. And I understand that, especially to our very Americanized palettes for words. That can be a really, really tough word to say. But hold fast. You'll figure it out. It's a very, very good song. Johannesburg, the whole album is absolutely fantastic. These two songs, I think, are very standout. Let's start with There Will Be Time. This song is really showcases the balance and the blend that they're going for on this album with that very Mumford style folk, little bit of pop, folk pop type business with Baba Mal's voice adding so much to it. Now, Baba Mal, very, uh, uh, an artist that you're probably not very familiar with. He is an artist out of Africa that you are perhaps actually more familiar with than you think. Blake, you will find this especially interesting. He was credited as uh, a writer and a performer, one of the most prevalent performers, I would even say, on the Black Panther soundtrack. He's actually like, yeah, the the piece Uh specifically titled Wakanda, which has a very like African style voice singing over like when you first enter Wakanda in Black Panther, that is Baba Mal's voice. That makes sense. Present on it, yeah. So that is one of his more recent things that he's done. He has been making music for decades. He has not really um, 
achieved much popularity, certainly not in the United States and even not really much outside of Africa. But he is just one of those iconic performers within Africa. So much charitable action, so many good things that he does for the world um, in his community. I look up to him a lot. I think he's a really cool dude. And he is prevalent across, I think, all except for one of the songs on this album. So this one starts with him singing in his native tongue, which I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce the native tongue. So I won't try to read the lyrics as they appear. Yeah. But I will say, this is how he opens this song. There will be time. He says, listen to me. I want to tell you something. The reason I love is because you are the only one who has taught me how to love and appreciate life. And I just, oh, gorgeous words. I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm a big lyrics guy. Those words are absolutely astounding. I love them. And then Mumford and Sons comes in. In the cold light, I live to love and adore you. It's all that I am. It's all that I have fantastic opening to this song very smooth very calm very just sort of like building a little bit towards something but just sort of in this relaxed kind of cooled out area like just oh nothing really happening yet but it builds and builds and builds and builds all the way towards the end there's huge drum beats coming in gorgeous sound absolutely stunning Baba Mal comes back in, this time singing in English, saying, there is a time, a time to love, a time to sing, a time to shine, a time to leave, a time to stay. There is a time, a time to cry, a time to love, a time, oh yeah, there is a time, a time to sing, a time to love. It's just building and building and building, hits you, and in the cold light I live to love and adore you, just, oh, it's just this amazing feeling in the song of just intense, powerful love. And I think that's so cool. A lot of our love songs we get today are very, uh, I'll just say they're very physically minded. If uh, I think you, you get where I'm going with that, I don't need to go into more depth. They, they focus more on physical aspects of love where I feel like this really hits this awesome powerful, deeply emotional aspect of love. So uh, um, there will be time, just there will be time for all of the great aspects of love and how love really transcends time. So I absolutely love this song. Great song. Uh, the other one I chose just to move on, because again, I could talk about these forever. Uh, Ngamila. Now this one really focuses a lot in the African language. Uh, the Chichawa is one way of saying the name of the language. The other one, Nyanja, I may be mispronouncing that. I apologize if I am. Spelled N-Y-A-N-J-A, Nyanja, is the language featured a lot in this. Mumford also speaks in English throughout a lot um, of the song. Now, I was having trouble translating exactly what um, the word Ingamila really means. When I look it up on its own, it means I, I grew up. I grew up is the name or is what at least Google Translate tells me is the translation of just the word on its own. And it's 
spoken in the context of a sentence, Ingamila Yanga Ilikuti. Now I look up Yanga Ilikuti, the second half of the sentence, and it's, where is mine? So I grew up, where is mine? Sort of, I don't, but the tough thing is I tried to look it up together and all it tells me is, where is my camel? And I don't think that is, <laughs> I think Google Translate is failing me there because each piece of it seems much more deep than that. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if it's just one song about finding your camel. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you folks. I did my best. That is the best I could find. Um, but it just has these gorgeous verses, so poetic. I'll just read one. I believe this is the first one, the first verse you hear. Um, you always want to suffer for the rest of your life. Want all the best. Let it be yours. No matter what you do, you will never succeed in this world. I'm in the end. I'm convinced you're going to lose. Which is just like so. I mean, just deep, intense. Then Mumford comes in with sort of the main line. You search all your life, stealing all you find, and you stare at your own hands, not the hands they entwine. By the end of the song, so it sort of opens with this, you're not focusing on the right things. You're constantly searching. You're constantly trying to get more stuff, trying to get more things, more money, more whatever, but you're not focusing on the right areas. Mumford comes in later in the song, you have all you need when you're held by me. Don't pine for what's not and whatever will be. And I just think that's gorgeous. And it's just this beautiful blend with both languages. First of all, musically, just gorgeous. Just really hitting both styles of it in a unique way and blending the African, um, I believe, Sudanese style of Baba Mall very deeply within the kind of English folk pop of Mumford to create this very new branch out in terms of sound, gorgeous instrumentation, gorgeous voices. I absolutely love it. And like I said, another great message in this song. So like I said, I could keep going and going, but I want to hear what Blake has to say. Blake, what are you thinking? Uh, well, let me consult Mr. Turtle. What did you think of Sam's songs? Were they? Yeah, you you think it? No, I don't. I'm getting a little bit of mix. Oh, okay. Mister Turtle likes your songs, Sam, and so I will also say that I liked your songs. <laughs> um, starting. I don't, even, I don't even know where to begin with that. I mean, starting with there will be time though for real. Um, it was, it was interesting. When I was listening to it, I kind of imagined them as two different songs. When Baba Mall came in and when Mumford came in, um, their phrasing and their, uh, because I feel like they both had very distinct melodies um, when they were each um, in the lead vocal or whatever you want to say. So it kind of felt like these two completely different artists coming together and forming a song that was kind of a mashup of two songs in a way. And it was cool. I really liked that. And um, one of the things I really actually enjoyed about the song, it's a very simple baseline. Uh, is it There Will Be Time? Just so I get that right. Yeah, There Will Be Time. There Will Be Time. 
Um, it's a very simple bass line, but if you're listening to that song with headphones, it's just, it's a very nice, um, it, it grounds the song really well. Uh, it really supports um, kind of the band of Mumford and Sons being there, not just their lead vocalist. And yeah, it was the great combination of two really wonderful pieces. Gamila was it's funny that you describe like how you describe the lyrics I just thought it was this great upbeat uplifting party song just celebrate and be happy about yourself and it, it just had a sense of optimism I I really the very first time I listened to that one I just felt very optimistic I felt very much like I just wanted to go out and see the sunshine down on my face and yeah I I really enjoyed it but it was a lot deeper clearly than I had imagined it. Um, and you know, that's, I mean, with what you feel that I do think is the message of the song, like you would, mm-hmm. like you would say, it is ultimately very optimistic. It's just sort of optimistic with a little bit of a backhand of like, stop worrying about what you don't have and be grateful <laughs> with what you do have. And it's like, I skipped that part and was just like, oh yeah, feel good. <laughs> So um, overall, I really like both these songs. Again, um, I think Mr. Turtle did too. So good job, Sam. Just for reference, everybody, Blake's been Blake's been going going through some stuff. I think he's losing his mind a little bit there. Uh, Mr. Turtle is <laughs> it, you're you're not missing something. You're not missing some previous reference. He just suddenly is personifying Mr. Turtle. Um, yeah. Uh, Say, say some prayers for him. I think he he may need yes, it. Yes, Mr. Turtle does need your prayers. Oh, okay. All right. Um, is that all you had to say about uh, Mumford and Sons, Baba Mall, and... Um... Yeah, just to, just to wrap it up on my end, I guess, just check out these songs. They're both amazing. If you, if you like Mumford and Sons and haven't listened to this, check them out. You may not fully, like, understand all of the lyrics because they're speaking in different languages, but you really get the sensation of the meaning of the song. You can very much enjoy it without understanding any of it. Absolutely. It's fun songs, fun music. I highly recommend it, the whole album. And if you're not a big Mumford & Sons fan, as of yet, at least, check out some of their other albums, too. This one is a great place to start. You get a feel for what their music sounds like. And they have um, lots of other great music out there as well. Three full albums, I believe, a couple other EPs and singles scattered throughout there as well. Just, yeah, great stuff out there. Mumford and Sons, go check them out if you haven't. Blake, let's move on. What are yours, my friend? All right. So my songs of the week come from the Racketeers. Uh, so the Racketeers are what is, they don't necessarily refer to themselves as this but they're what we call a super group. Um, so for those of you that aren't as familiar with that term, it basically describes a rock band that all the members um, have come together from other projects. So they're famous for other ventures. And then they form this super group because they're all well known already. Um, and the members of this band are uh, two members, uh, the bassist and the drummer from the Greenhorns, um, which is a 90s and 2000s uh, garage rock band. Um, Brendan Benson, who is a solo rock musician, and the one that everyone would know, uh, Jack White from the White Stripes. 
Um, and so the reason they claim they're not a supergroup is that they were all friends before that they were all friends before they all got famous. And they're like a brand new band. This isn't a one-off thing. They've actually recorded three albums to this point. Um, yeah, so not necessarily your traditional supergroup. Um, they've stuck around for a longer time, which is awesome because they work great together. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I will kind of dive into them. Uh, so they're, they've kind of been ranging from some different styles, but you can kind of tell um, it's Jack White getting away from his like own self of the white stripes and being more committed to being in a band, which is really cool because it's allowed him and the rest of the band members of the Rack and Tears to be, um, you know, a lot more collaborative instead of being um, very individualized about their songwriting. Um, so Jack White and Brendan Benson are the two principal songwriters for the Rack and Tears. And they also happen to both be the lead vocalists. So they have two lead vocalists, which is super awesome. I wish I would have picked a song featuring each of them on lead vocals, but it's the only thing about them is their uh, vocal ranges are pretty close. So sometimes it's kind of hard to tell which one's singing. I've been able to figure it out just through watching live videos. So, um, but uh, I am really excited about these two songs. Uh, so the first one is You Don't Understand Me. Uh, it came from their second album, which re was released in 2008. Um, the reason that's important is because they didn't release their third album until 11 years later. So they, they went two years in between their first two albums and then they were all kind of doing back to their original projects. Jack White went solo, Brendan Benson went back to solo. The other guys went back to the Greenhorns, came back 11 years and released an album in 2019. Um, so the first song, You Don't Understand Me. Now, uh, before I get into this, Sam, what yeah. do you know, what is the primary instrument that Jack White plays? Oh gosh, I believe it's just right like guitar, right? Just yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Guitar. He is like um, probably known as um, one of the top five guitarists of the 21st century. Um, just really influential, influential playing style, which is why it's so interesting. On you don't understand me. He isn't playing guitar. He's playing piano. Very interesting. Did yes. not know that. That's cool. He's actually a really good piano player. Um, he's got inspired a lot more by playing piano, um, trying to change that sound for himself. And he really likes the rhythms and grooves on piano. Mm. So this allows him to be the more typical singer songwriter. Um, he's singing a song basically just about kind of a, a disillusioned love, um, a relationship kind of gone wrong. Um, Basically, these two people aren't on the same point of view. And so he has this beautiful piano riff that drives the song. And the rest of the band just does a great job of backing him up. The rest of the band uh, is just in this groove. You can hear um, this great rhythm guitar, this great bass feel. And it culminates um, into the choruses where Jack White and Brendan Benson sing this beautiful harmony together. Their voices with their vocal ranges being so close, it actually allows them to create really beautiful harmonies. 
And you wouldn't necessarily think that you'd be like, oh, they're kind of limited, but actually it allows them because their voices are so similar. They also blend really well together. Um, so it's, it's just wonderful. Um, I think I just to build off that point very briefly, I've always found that the closer the harmony, like the closer the two voices are in notes to each other, the more beautiful the, the harmony tends to be. So I think, yeah. and I mean, you're exactly right. I heard that in here that like the harmonies were really, really tight and crisp. And I think that just creates such a, a cool effect that we don't hear in duet or two people harmony type things. Exactly. Very often. It was a cool feature of this song. I'm, I was digging it. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing um, just about, you know, usually when you hear duets and stuff, it's not two guys. So that's why I think this band has just a really interesting dynamic that they have two guys harmonizing with each other, which we've seen in like, you know, 60s and 70s rock, but we don't really see in the 21st century anymore. So they're kind of bringing that harmonization back. Um, but then <laughs> as Sam is probably like now understanding why he can tell Jack White plays piano on this, it keeps building up to this wonderful groove until Jack White is just on the piano going absolutely bonkers. There's a point that he's just playing the piano like it is his guitar solo or like he's playing the drums while the rest of the band is just grooving behind them. You can hear the guitar kind of ramping up and everything else is just like a complete jam band groove while Jack White freaks out on the piano until you just hear one note repeating at the end. And it, it's just a beautiful ending. I love that song so much. Um, just like Sam, I could talk about that one forever, but I will go into the next song, Thoughts and Prayers, which uh, is off their 2019 album, Help a Stranger. Uh, so this album has a completely different feel. You got Jack White and Brendan Benson both on guitar and they're actually playing dueling guitars with each other. So um, if you're listening to this song with headphones, it's really cool because you'll get one guitar riff from one side and a like a battle kind of a follow up. So it's kind of back and forth riffs of like them um, playing off of each other until they get into this. Um, it starts out in this acoustic um, kind of aural uh, sound and then it gets into this kind of driving um, rocky bluesgrass thing going on um and jack white again is a uh, lead singer for this song but uh you can hear a lot of those harmonies again and uh yeah i think the harmonies are actually probably a little bit more pronounced on this one throughout the song and then the mm -hmm. most beautiful thing though is that it kind of ends up being this like bluegrass, a little bit country rock kind of vibe that has a mandolin violin battle, mandolin violin solo battle um, from these two sisters who um, have worked with Jack White in the past. They absolutely kill it. They, they outperform Jack White um, because yes, yes. And he, he says that he's like, this had to be like, I, I think he, I think it's the last song in the album. And he's like, this had to be the one because of how well they performed on this track. 
like Jack White said that personally, I was like, this was so good. We had to make sure we highlighted this. Um, and it's just this beautiful battle between the two of them while the guitars are still creating that space in the background. And then the vocals come back in crashing. And the lyrical topic um, makes this song all the more powerful um, on top of the just amazing sound already is it's called Thoughts and Prayers. And it's partially a disillusionment of modern life of like uh, asking God, you know, how did we screw up this world so badly? Um, and kind of like wondering if there's any way we can fix it. Uh, so it is literally the character's thoughts and prayers, but it actually serves also as a political protest song of saying, you know, po politicians who just throw out the phrase thoughts and prayers don't actually care. This is a dig at you for using that and not actually caring when a global crisis or a school shooting or this or that happens. Um, so just very powerful with the way they use their words. Again, the riffing back and forth of the guitars. It, it just all comes together, this beautiful masterpiece. I'll shut up now. Sam, what did you think about the, the songs? Well, I greatly enjoyed them. I will be, like, I'll be honest with you. These were a couple winners. This is much more like, you know, there's been some times where, oh gosh, um, there have been some times where the songs you pick are just a little bit out of my comfort zone. And I think uh, the tours overall are very well within, like in a very cool spot in my comfort zone where it's not something I've listened to before, but I really like it. It's like stuff that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, lyrically, I think both of these songs are really cool lyrically. So I'm a big fan of that. The sound wise, I think it's super cool. That piano riff on You Don't Understand Me was just infectious. I was digging that so much. I thought that was so cool. Um, yeah, really all over that. Thoughts and prayers, I really liked a lot too. I mean, I'll be honest, I do have a preference towards You Don't Understand Me. So do I. But I get... My favorite racking tear song. <laughs> well, there we go. Like, yeah, I was really, really enjoying this. I would not have expected it to be Jack White. And I think that's what I find most interesting is that I'm more used to um, some of the, especially like popular songs from the White Stripes. And this does not feel as much like that. And so I think that's super cool. And yeah, I mean, Supergroup is maybe not the name they want to go with, but definitely is not a bad name to give to them. I mean, yeah, really super. cool. Really cool. I mean, I give both of these songs a big win for the week. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, good choices. I will be trying to check out some more Rack on Tours. Yeah, if you're, you know, if you're interested in like Zeppelin um, or just any of kind of like classic revival stuff, they do a great job of kind of incorporating that into a modern sound. And just kind of like Sam said, it doesn't sound like the White Stripes. And I think that's what I like about it is it's different because you don't want to keep listening to the same album over. And you expect when somebody joins a different band, they sound different. And this does. So Exactly. That's one thing I've always had a little bit of a dislike for is when I hear an artist on something different or like, especially like joining a different band and they just turn that band into more of what they already were doing. Like there are times where like, like a guest feature on a song is really cool. 
Like I'm all over um, Ed Sheeran had the, this is slightly tangential, but it had co- the collaborations album recently. And I was all over how he in like incorporated the sound of the different artists into those songs. Yeah. But I would hate it if let's say Chris Stapleton joined Ed Sheeran for a whole album and then it just became a Chris Stapleton album featuring Ed Sheeran. Like, that would drive me nuts. So that's where I think Raconteurs do some cool stuff, is that it's these different artists coming together, but they make their own unique sound. Yes. Yeah. Super cool. I'm all over it. I think that was some excellent, excellent song choices, Blake. I'm very oh, impressed. great week. What a good week yeah, for Yeah, this us. was a good week. And just for the record, Blake, did you, like, on my songs, were they wins, losses? I, oh, I, yeah, they I, were wins. Yeah, I just okay. kind of assumed you knew that because I complimented them so highly. Oh, yeah, I, I figured. But, you know, we got to make it official. You got to give it <laughs> oh, got to give it the old double W. Give them, give them. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I see that turtle one more time, I swear. <laughs> I will be happy because it's a cute turtle. That's That's what I swear. That is, oh, the eyes are so cute on that. I'm sorry. That's not the latest. All right. Uh, that was an adorable I think it's time for the great debate. The Judge Sam, would debate. you like to present? I will. I will present the debate. This week, our first debate is something that both of us, we really care quite, uh, we care quite passionately about. We're going to mm. be debating Christian music just on the whole, kind of. To give it a little bit more specific, is Christian music really, I mean, and you can sort of make it healthy. Yeah. Is it it actually good or is it a lesser music somehow? That is, I think that's the bigger thing. Is it good? Like, is it properly good or is it somehow this lesser genre of music? I like the way you phrase that. And so just to, just to set it up a little bit for in two ways. One, just in the world way, there's a lot of people who are really big fans of Christian music. And there are a lot of Christian artists that sell a good number of albums and they go on big tours and there's lots of fans who come out and love the music. But there's been this stigma around Christian music and especially among musicians themselves that that music is because it is Christian focused is somehow lesser and somehow won't appeal to a wider world of listeners and really just because somehow because it is christian music is not as good of music which i think is a really interesting thing and then just to set it up for between me and blake i mean we'll just i'll preface it right now i'm going to be taking the pro christian music stance Blake is going to be taking the more kind of not anti, but not really for it. Yeah, there's I, there's some stipulations to mind that I'll get into. Yeah, and I will say too that there in in uh, I mean this is reality. Like we are not hiding our true opinions, but we did like decide which either. side we're going to be more advocating for in this. We both have opinions that land on both sides but we're going to be advocating for just our particular side. So me, very pro-Christian music, Blake, a little bit more 
Uh, not again, not anti, but I think these both accurately reflect our opinions. It's not like we said Sam is going to take the pro Christian side, and I'm going to take the anti Christian side. Like, we this is kind of like our actual opinions towards it, and it just happened that they were kind of on the opposite sides of the aisle. Yeah, so I suppose, well, but without further ado, really, I think we should probably just dive right into it. So, um Let's do. How about this? Just for the heck of it, let's okay. do a quick rock paper scissors. See who's gonna go first. Oh jeez, I would rather. I mean, all right, fine. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, I took the win on that one. Yeah, I, when I said that, I didn't really think about how there would be a delay with the camera on uh, a game of rock, paper, scissors. But yeah, you're not very bright, and I get that. So I should have really just said something. Wow. <laughs> Take a listen here, folks. His first first words in a debate are attacking the other debaters. <laughs> and you know what? That always wins because no one actually follows a logic, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Without further ado, here we go. So. I am, I would say, more on the pro-Christian music side. I think uh, I'm, I'm very much so an emotional listener to music, and I think Christian music can tap into that very, very well. Uh, as you both, as we all know, I almost said both, we have more than two listeners out there. As we know, or as we've alluded to, at least in the past, me and Blake are both Christian. Specifically, we are both Catholic. And so for me, I think Christian music really, it hits a very good emotional center, especially an emotional center targeted around my faith. I think it's enjoyable to listen to because it helps me to remember how much I love God, how much I care for God, how much God has done for me. Um, I really, really enjoy listening to it for that, not that reason alone, but that is one of the primary reasons is in regular life when I'm just listening to music it can be this cool connection to God and I will say that um, I think even though it's not so much just for purely listening to the music the live experience of Christian music is something that should not be um, fully put to the side that being in a community of people listening to the music especially with the performers right there can also be extremely powerful and really cool faith experience together as a community. Now, a couple artists out there that I want to highlight as partly just personal favorites in the Christian world, and also they are worth mentioning. Um, uh, Lauren Daigle, I think, hits a really, really unique place in the Christian music realm. She has this gorgeous voice really cool songwriting style that though a lot of other people there are similarities between her music and other Christian artists in some senses I think she hits this cool unique sound that is gorgeous awesome lyrics that aren't just like one thing that I know Blake is going to bring up so I'll preface it now is just the kind of cheesy like oh yeah Jesus is awesome type lyrics um (laughs) Those are out there in the Christian music world. And I do like those as well. But I think Lauren Daigle hits this really cool personal relationship with Jesus aspect in her lyrics that it's, it's, you are feeling within it, 
in the music that you're being called up to something greater, that it's not just, hey, God up here is awesome, but it's you are called up to that. So I think it's a more fulfilling experience. Um, a artist I recently started enjoying a little bit more of, Chris Tomlin. He's another big name in the Christian music world. He recently released an album called Chris Tomlin and Friends that featured a lot of very, very popular artists from out there. Most specifically, Lady A, uh, known previously to the past couple months as Lady Annabellum, but they go by Lady A now. Um, they are featured very strongly on the album. There is the... Uh, lead singer of oh, a rock band. I forget what it is. I could look up more of the artists, but there's a lot of really the One cool... thing that could have helped you, Sam, is the lead singer of a rock band that probably would have liked, but didn't come prepared, I guess. Oh, Blake. Blake. That's a point against. Okay, a point, ag a point against. Goodness probably three. Goodness. Three points against? Is that is that really you're keeping track of points? Yes, and I'm ahead by 10. You're <laughs> before you've even said anything, you're ahead by 10. You're digging yourself a very deep hole. What can I say? Oh my goodness. Well, anyway, I could take the time right now to look it up, but that would be a waste of all of our times. Chris Tomlin, another great artist out there. Jeremy Camp is absolutely also really quite interesting. Also, I would say kind of, I really enjoy his music he definitely takes a much more rock heavy approach to Christian music, which I find very, very interesting. There's a lot of Christian artists out there that kind of just do this almost like a poppy sound or like a soft rock sound with it. His is much more like heavier, fully in the intensity of it. I love it. And of course the famous Matt Marr cannot be forgotten. I think he's also great, a fun performer to see live really engaging his music is popular across wide swaths super super cool dude so i would say my reason i'm very in favor of christian music is it is an emotional tie to something greater musically that is what they focus on most all of the artists focus on that the emotional drawing towards something greater which i think is really cool so i will leave it there lots of cool christian artists out there Blake, your introductory thoughts and rebuttal of my thoughts. Yeah. So first off, I should say my, um, when I say that uh, I don't necessarily love Christian music, I don't think it's Christian music's fault necessarily. So I listen to a lot of alternative music. I like Radiohead, Arcade Fire, um, U2, uh, just you know, stuff that's a little bit more, it can be diversive. Uh, it can have weird time signatures or very different compositional phrasing. I like stuff that is a little bit outside of the box. And when you look at Christian music, you don't get a lot of that. I don't blame Christian music because the lyrics are much more important for Christian music than they are for a lot of other genres, specifically that the listener is aware of exactly what is being said. Whereas in some of those other genres, it's okay if you don't know exactly what's being said or don't know how, or have to think a little bit more to interpret it because half the time that's the point. 
You're supposed to take more time to interpret that stuff or really seek it out for yourself and not be able to know 100% right away about that. But my point being, I listen to Christian music in forms of praise and worship. I don't like listening to it on the radio because it tends to be really boring. You take the, you know, Chris Tomlins or the Toby Max or the Lauren Daigles, like they can be fine and all, but you keep getting into more and more artists and they're just like all the same. They all sound the same. The industry makes them the same. So my argument really isn't against Christian artists. It's against the idea of Christian music. And as I was thinking about it more, I kind of understood why Christian music is this way. Why is it so has to be accessible so every single listener can hear it? What happened in the, the golden age of music, the classical period and Renaissance? We had overly complicated compositions by Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, uh, Schubert, Haydn of like Catholic or Christian compositions to, um, you know, augment the mass that the common people could not sing along with because they were too advanced. You had to be a musician to perform and sing those pieces. And so over time, just as the mass has become more accessible, so has Christian music in itself. And I think people are scared about doing something so, you know, profound, alternative, something where it's very compositionally complex, because then they feel like the whole point of Christian music, which is to get the message out of um, Christ and the word of God, is mute in that point because it focuses so much more on the music that the words can't, you know, get out. Um, there's also the problem of the label of the Christian music industry. When you get labeled as Christian, you kind of conform to making a certain type of music. Uh, it has been said that it's very easy to get, it's easier to get a Christian label. It is easier to get signed by a Christian label. I don't know how true that is, but I could imagine if some band was like, well, we're not as talented to maybe get on a regular mainstream label, but we can get it on a Christian label and all we got to do is write Christian music. I'm not saying that that means they're a lesser band, but it could mean that there is less of a talent pool, like less talented musicians getting contracts in the Christian music industry because of that simple fact. There's also this really bad labeling of Christian music just in the music industry as a whole. Like when you see the Christian music label, a lot of people write it off. Even when you see themes of Christianity, there are reasons why artists like U2 and it's actually Sufjan Stevens. I screwed it up the first time. It's Sufjan Stevens do not explicitly call themselves Christian artists. Sufjan is actually very forward about his faith, but he made a deliberate attempt to not be too Christian on his first couple albums because even when he was making amazing albums, because they had Christian themes, 
they knocked it they knocked their ratings down a little bit so there was a couple albums of his that got rated four out of five specifically because they're like if he didn't pander so much to god then they would be five out of fives is basically what the review said i read them this morning and i listened to the albums they're fives they're really good albums um but basically that's just it like the and I think that part of the notion is that it doesn't necessarily connect to all people. There are people that are better at doing it where the music can connect to all people. And I think specifically the problem with that is not that Christian artists write about faith. It's that they only write about faith. A lot of them, once they get pigeonholed into that, they can't write anything but that. They can't write a song that doesn't have God in it. And it's not to say that you should like focus on writing songs that don't have God in it, but there are every day, like human interaction, people problems that you could definitely write about and expand your audience a little bit more. And that's why mainstream artists that do incorporate Christ into their music at points are way more successful, even though they're very, very overtly Christian because they have that diversity. And so to me, yeah, it is lesser music. There are a couple of bands that break that exception. I think 90s Newsboys is one of them. Uh, Need to Breathe um, can break that exception sometimes, but it's just not many. And even those bands like Need to Breathe has been trying to get away from their Christian label ever since they got labeled Christian. Just so they can be more... um, inclusive of all people it's not that they don't want to spread christ's message it's that they want to like reach everyone because otherwise what's the point of christian music if it's just preaching to the choir yeah i mean you you raise a lot of really good points and i think i and i think i i do fully understand uh and i didn't do any research with it what'd you say and i didn't do any prep for this <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. Like you said, <laughs> like you said at the beginning. Um, yeah, you raise a lot of really good points. I think my biggest uh, distinction with yours, and like why why I am still pro Christian music, even given all of that, which I will say, I think everything you said is very true. It is a fact of the music industry, and a fact of especially not even just the industry, but a fact of people listening to the music that if you are not like like not even you're not christian but you're not at like x level of being christian like it can be off-putting if you are not like like it could just be off-putting to see an artist as a christian artist mm-hmm. because yeah. we have the stereotypes in our head i think of what a christian artist is and what they aren't a Christian artist is a person that's just, here's some upbeat songs about Jesus. Yeah, here's Veggie Tales, fun, and things like that. And I think, like, as we're... What? Say boo. Say boo. <laughs> oh, be careful. We'll get licensed attacked from... From the people at VeggieTales, we'll have to pay them for the use of their song. 
in putting putting that aside there is stereotypes that go along with the christian music label and the christian music idea that um in this case the stereotypes do have a founding not all stereotypes have true foundings but in this case this one i think does that like christian music a lot of what the popular christian music was for a long time is just very much so praise and worship songs and i think there are artists today that are leaving that praise and worship song atmosphere and writing more music that is still christian but not just praise and worshipy and but is still getting labeled as just here's music to listen to when you're feeling like just giving praise to God. Like not just regular everyday life, but a specific circumstance music. And I find that really interesting that, yeah, people still write praise and worshipy music, but we're getting away from that in the Christian music realm. So I think the stereotypes and everything in the industry points people away from Christian music because unless you are, really feeling like giving heavy praise to God through this song, you're not going, it's not really for you even. Right. The song isn't for you because this is music for giving praise. Like not, like you said, not everyday life music. It's not music people are listening to all the time and that type of thing. But that's why I still am in favor of it is because I think even though all those labels exist, that is not the fault of the music itself. That Christian music, I think, should be given a chance to conquer that label because it's been given it, but that is not the case for every artist. And so that's where I sort of fall in response to your points because I think they, they are very valid points and there are a lot of reasons why those points exist. But I would say, I mean, I think it shows perhaps a step in the right direction that Lauren Daigle, one of the artists I mentioned earlier, um, for a couple weeks at least, was pretty high up there on the top 40 charts uh, here in the States. That her song, like that one song, was able to transcend the Christian music label and get brought into the regular world's pop music standards. Which is huge. Like that's, and that's not a thing that happens and and for commercial success like i will say that's like a good thing my my point's just more i think there's there's been a couple of like instances of christian music kind of getting close to that border and it's you know not every song reviewer is like oh if it's christian like ban it like you can tell that kind of the whole populace just agrees like you know like when talking about Sufjan, like everyone still rated that album highly. You don't get those highly rated albums with other with the actual Christian artists when they're, you know, <laughs> being released because I just don't think the music's there is a lot of time. Like the only real instance of like a real Christian artist I can think of that broke the industry standards was Pod. Payable on Death, a new metal album um, called Satellite back in 2003 that everyone was like, yes, this is like, this is new metal. This is the perfect example. And they were already known as a Christian artist. Mm. And it's a really highly rated album. And I just don't think there's many times that the music 
of Christian artist really matches up to what other people in their actual genres, even though like we say Christian music is a genre, like we can agree there's like Christian rock, Christian pop, Christian rap, all that stuff. Like other people within their distinctive genres, they're not necessarily putting that level up there. And I'm not saying like dismiss it, don't allow them to like, yes, I would love for somebody to come through and actually do it. I think Sufjan really actually does do it. It's just, he doesn't identify as a Christian artist. It's just, he identifies as a Christian himself, has a ton of songs that very explicitly talks about God. And he'll talk about that in interviews. But I just think the people on the Christian labels don't put out the work that is necessary for them to break that stereotype yet. And when that yeah. happens, I will be very happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, so I would say just as the uh, convalescence of our two points and where we stand is like Christian music in itself is not bad. Like Christian music, just the music on its own is not necessarily bad. It's what is being classified as Christian music is not always the good stuff. Yeah. Like there's some, there's a, almost like a societal standard that if it's like, if it's Christian, it can't be that good. And if it's good and Christian, we have to give it a different label because Christian isn't the right name for it. Cause Mumford and Sons is also pretty regarded as not like a directly Christian, Christian band, but a lot of their music has christian themes very very strongly throughout like a couple quick examples i can think of the cave the one of their very popular songs is based entirely about or based entirely on a couple different things one of them is plato's allegory of the cave very philosophical thing but it's also based on um gk chesterton's biography of saint francis of assisi and so they find these really cool very christian sources to draw their um draw their inspiration from and another song just quick from mumford the song delta the opening the opening verse of the song basically parallels the mass um the catholic mass our service we call a mass and so it says do not lie to us do not hide your eyes from us i will take this softened cup i will sit upon your floor i will tell your stories tell all of your pain that's what i came here for and your children come and go as you eat and so i just think like they find these amazing parallels in christianity but because the music is considered good they don't label it as christian yeah and i think so also have a way of like getting past that like let's not make our first album too like christian so we can get into the pop label and then we'll say it and yeah and then we'll start really injecting the christian honestly like i get it because you reach more people that way yeah and i and i get it if i was an artist that's what i would do i wouldn't go to the christian label Uh uh-uh no way and i think it says a lot that on like chris tomlin and friends that album i mentioned earlier like it shows me that groups like Lady Antebellum, who I mentioned, Florida Georgia Line is featured, Thomas Rhett is featured, Bear Reinhardt of Need to Breathe, that's the more right. rock style artist right. that I've forgotten. He was featured on it. There's lots of great artists featured on it that it's like, 
maybe they wanted to do Christian music anyway, but, or they are Christian. I would certainly say that they would have, like, not have to be, but very, very likely are Christian and want to do Christian music, but they need almost, it's like they needed to lower themselves to the Christian music area with a Christian artist in order for them to actually write a Christian song. So I think my biggest takeaway from this is like, I, I totally understand your perspective and I hope you've grown to understand mine I, as well. Do, but yeah. but it's, right. it's just a weird thing that Christian music isn't just not seen by the world as being good music or good on its own. And so, and anything that would be good Christian music is labeled as something else because if it's good it can't be christian which is a shame yeah i think again just kind of in my closing statements i i understand the need that christian music kind of has to be accessible because of the lyrical content of it and maybe if there's an artist out there that's willing to push the boundaries of that a little bit of like you know maybe not like focus on the lyrics still but really focus on the musicality and don't worry if not everyone's able to sing along to it. There's already a lot of Christian music that people are able to sing along to. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you don't need to, yeah, Christian artists out there, don't try to fit a mold of what Christian music needs to be. Write better music so that, <laughs> like, make your labels better by writing better music. Exactly. Ugh. Anyway, well, good debate. First debate in the books. Wow. We'll have to keep doing these. Put it in the comments who you think won. I know it's me, but just in case. Put, or just really put in the comments what your thoughts on Christian music are. Do you yeah. think it just totally sucks? Do you think we missed an artist that would totally change our perspective on Christian music? Do you literally not care? That's cool, too. <laughs> Tell us. We like to read your comments. But for now, I have been Sam. And I have been Blake. It's been great to talk with you all. It's been great to talk to you, Blake. I missed it with our internet issues. I missed being able to do this podcast. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, thank you guys so much for being patient. We really appreciate it. Um, again, we'll get back on a normal schedule soon. But uh, until next time. Um, this has been the Music Major Meltdown. See you guys in the next one. Peace out, guys.